I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, money wise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcast. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Paul. I was just telling sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. And Jack Flaherty actually tweeted out about this uh, just a little while ago. So all the Gold Glove Awards being announced here during the afternoon. And uh, Jack Flaherty made the point that here it is, just kind of a random Tuesday. And these awards are coming out. And I just realized that this is the first week of the college football playoff rankings. I just got a push notification from uh, ESPN on my phone. Didn't realize those were coming out today. I've really got to do a much better job of knowing uh, what in the world is going on. Somebody who always knows what's going on. He is a uh, sports reporter and anchor with Fox 2 and Channel 11. He is uh, Daniel Esteve. You hear him on the KMOX airwaves on occasion uh, doing the uh, City SC2 uh, games. And he joins us right now. Hey, Daniel, how are you? How are we doing, Matt? Did no, you, no complaints on my end. Uh, did you? Uh, were you aware that the college football playoff rankings were coming out for the first time today? I was not. I, I can kind of imagine it being around this time, but it's not something that's at the top of my calendar. That's for sure. Yeah, I got the. I was like, oh, look, look at that. By the way, in case anybody cares, Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson are the top four, and Michigan and Alabama just outside. So Tennessee, the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. Reaction. Reaction is surprise, but after you see what they did against Alabama, it's pretty impressive. I actually saw a stat that Alabama's sixth least touchdowns allowed this year, and I believe it was 15 total or around that number, and Tennessee put up, what, six touchdowns on them alone? So yeah. you talk about a stout defense in Alabama, a Nick Saban-led defense, and you throw Tennessee doing what they did to that defense. Uh, it's, it shows what kind of what kind of dominance they've had at least to this point. But it's Tennessee. I'm sure Tennessee fans will feel the same way. You're never too comfortable, even when you're in uh, new territory for that team. No, absolutely. And they're, they're playing Georgia this week, so we'll see what happens there. All right, let's get to uh, the things that we really brought you on to talk about. We'll start uh, with the St. Louis Blues, and it feels like after the loss against the Kings, it just all of a sudden it feels a little different. They lost four in a row, but there was this feeling like they're going to turn things around, and they play poorly against the Kings. Their coach is calling them soft. Doug Armstrong is coming out today saying Craig Berube's not going anywhere. Uh, there's you know the the top tier players are kind of getting called out that they've got to do more. It's just it, it's still early, but man, it's it's not good right now for the Blues. It's just interesting. My dog's clearly not loving what the Blues are doing either. But I'll tell you what, when I'm off the clock, I'm a fan, right? So naturally, yesterday, I decided to take my buddy who's in town from Texas to the game. And so we went as fans, and I'm thinking this is going to be what's going to switch everything up. Clearly, that didn't do anything for this team. But I like coming out and talking about Craig Berube first because I think it's important to establish the fact that, hey, you know, we're not going to – we're not going to be too rash with our decisions early on, especially this early in the year. And I think given what Baruby's done in the past, given, you know, just his MO, playing physical hockey, playing, you know, kind of on the front skate, if you will. He's certainly somebody that you want during these rough times. But he's talked a lot about leadership, and I think it's got to start with those guys in the locker room, the O'Reilly's, the Tarasenko's, the Shen's. And it just seems like they're discombobulated, not on defense, not on offense, but all over the ice. 
Look, I, I like Craig Berube a lot, and I hope he remains the coach of the Blues for a really long time. And I believe Doug Armstrong when he said what he said today. But it also, you know this, how quickly things can escalate in sports. There was no conversation about Craig Berube being on a hot seat until literally last night's game. And then that, then all of a sudden Armstrong has to come out and basically defend him today. If this thing continues to go down a bad path, it, it doesn't take long for all of a sudden that, that conversation to escalate even further. Well, you start to play the blame game, and that's what anybody in sport across any sport would do. And naturally, the coach, the manager, whoever it is, is the first person you point the finger at. Um, it's just so early, though. I mean, what? You're eight games into the season at this point, seven games into the season if you're the Blues. And, and yeah, things aren't going well, but you won those first three games of the year. It didn't look great, but you know that you have the talent in the locker room to get wins. It's just a matter of getting it together. And if you're ever going to be in kind of a slump, I think this is probably the best time to do it because you've got so much time to fix it. Um, but I guess the question is, how long do you wait? You know, are the Blues really in a win-now mentality? Surely they've been so successful in the past couple of years, you expect them to want to contend every year. But is this really a year where you say, all right, hey, this thing's falling apart quick. We've got all the chips on the table. Let's get it right now at the expense of potentially losing a guy that could be successful and has been successful for a longer time. So, you're playing the blame game right now, but I don't think that needs to come around or truly come into play for at least the month of November, maybe, maybe halfway through or at the earliest, if it's really bad, but 20 games and four goals plus the goals we scored or they scored rather last night. I mean, there's clearly some question marks. I just think it's a bit early to make those crazy decisions, which is why I appreciate what Doug Armstrong comes out and says about chief. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to play the blame game, uh, there are key players who are not performing, and that's the bottom mm-hmm. line right now. And maybe most, no, most notably is a Jordan Cairo, who obviously gets the money, and sometimes that happens. You sign that big contract, and there's some more pressure. The hockey cliche is that you know you, you grip the stick a little tighter. Whatever it is, it, it feels like once he gets loose, maybe the rest of the team will too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you made a great point. You know, when you're talking about the Blaine game, it's easy to point at him, Robert Thomas as well. But Ryan O'Reilly's taken a lot of a lot of the credit in terms of his frustrations. When we spoke to him, I believe it was after the Oilers game, he talked a lot about how he was almost cheating to try to score. That's how frustrated he was getting because he could not figure out how to get a point. And when you start to get frustrated on the offensive side of the rink, you kind of lapse up on the defensive side, and they've been exposed completely. And I really don't think you have to look at Bennington and that goaltending crew as a big problem because, yes, it was rough last night, but for the most part, they've been okay. They've just been so exposed. But it's all about opportunity, and I think, man, they're getting some. They just can't put it in the back of the net, and Kyrie's a great example of that. We've seen him you know, dance and fly by people like he typically does. Great, great puck handling ability, but at the end of the day, he's not, he's not producing. Um, but I think I still go back to what I said about Berube or about this situation as a whole is you can't play the blame game this early in the season. I still think you've seen some good things. You've seen a lot of missed opportunities, but you're getting into position at the very least. And so long as you can continue to build from here and you don't regress further than this, I think you can find something because you already know you have the talent in there. It's just a matter of getting it together. So like I said, I think November, mid-November, or you give them the month to really figure it out before you really start punching that red button and, and figuring something else out. Daniel Seve from Fox 2 and Channel 11 continuing to uh, join us. Wanted to have you on today uh, also to talk a little soccer because there's so many great soccer stories 
going on in our community right now. And let's start with St. Louis University, where whether it's the men or the women, both playing at a really high level, and you look at the metrics for the women, like this is, to me, this is a team that is a national championship contender. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I almost cracked up, and I never want to dis, uh, uh, disrespect anybody, but Coach Katie Shields was talking about how she was frustrated a little bit when we spoke, I think it was after their second-to-last game of the regular season, how she was frustrated about her defense. They, they, they knew they could score the ball, but they want to see a little bit more stout defensively. They allowed four goals throughout the entirety of their conference schedule. I mean, this was absurd in, in terms of their productivity, both obviously offensively being one of the best offensive teams in the country. And then defensively, they figured it out with three shutouts down the stretch, back to back to back. And now they're looking at, you know, a semifinal matchup at home where they expected to continue to dominate. They're showing no signs of letting up and, Really, the same could be said with the men. I mean, it's so difficult, I think, for the men coming off of the incredible team they had last year and maybe coming up just short of where they really would have wanted to be. And then they come out, you know, they had struggled early. They, I think they were 1-1-2 one, one, and two to start the season around that. Couldn't really get a lot of things together. Conference season gets going, and they absolutely dominated. And one of their only tough games was against, what, URI? And that was a bizarre game that they had. Coming down the stretch, ended up winning the conference anyways. I mean, you're looking at two teams that are representing soccer capital Mm -hmm. perfectly. And given the history of those two programs, too, you almost expect it, but it's still impressive even beyond that, what both teams are doing. There's been some talk about attendance. Look, it's always going to be a tough go when when we're talking about college soccer and, and just drawing fans in. If there are teams that deserve to be supported, these teams absolutely deserve it. Uh, the women's soccer team, College Soccer News, has them ranked as the number five team in the nation. That's their highest ranking in program mm-hmm. history in any poll. You look at some of the other numbers, they're, they're top ten in some other polls, and you almost feel like they're being undervalued from a, from a national perspective. They're that good. I mean, that's just the St. Louis MO, isn't it? I mean, people overlook not only the city as a whole, but the city's sports teams forever. And SLU's no different. I mean, people still don't quite understand the soccer significance within the history. And I think that's going to be put on full display once St. Louis City SC comes into play. But for right now, I think they enjoy that. You know, the fans that do appreciate it, you know, even looking at the Luligans, if you're talking about the pro level, they absolutely love these teams and seeing a stat like that for the women, not only does it affect the city as a whole providing this support for this team, but Hannah Larson, a winger for the team or a midfielder. I mean, she talked extensively about how much she loves playing at Herman stadium. And why wouldn't you, I mean, you're getting a top five level attendance compared to the entire country at a beautiful venue that they have down there at SLU and you're balling out there. You're not losing games. You're playing really well. You beat Arkansas to kick the season off, right, when they were ranked top 10 and nobody was respecting this team. And I'm certain the the men feel the same way. Um, So you add in the fact that these guys can host when it comes to the conference tournament. You're expecting them to do well, and hopefully they do. Speaking of uh, City SC, technically it's it's City too, but obviously mm-hmm. uh, you look at the you know the the whole organization and getting ready for the first year in MLS. Uh, they're getting ready for friendly on November sixteenth, just in front of the World Cup against uh, one of the uh, top clubs in uh, Europe. By the way, for everybody uh, listening, we will have that for you uh, right here on KMOX on uh, Wednesday, November sixteenth. 
Uh, this is it's going to be an opportunity to uh, open up City Park. Uh, we weren't able to see them do that uh, during City Two's uh, run in the playoffs, unfortunately. But now uh, a top club coming in for a friendly. Like this is a really cool event that's going to be coming up. Oh, it's incredible. And it's funny because there were whispers about it. I think people speculated that, hey, the ties to German tides Bundesliga. There's certainly going to be an opportunity to do something pretty cool with this team. But it's almost one of those things where, you know, patience is a virtue. And you think about how awesome it would have been to have played that Sporting KC2 game way back when, when they had the opportunity and were expecting to play that at first game over at what was previously known as Centene Stadium. But then it gets pushed back, and huge credit to the team for figuring out this situation because there were people who were calling for, hey, is there a potential that you're going to be playing at SIUE or Herman Stadium for that first MLS game? Plenty of worries. So the fact that they've gotten it figured out this early is huge. And what better way almost to introduce this field than with a great team like Bayer Leverkusen coming in and bringing some great young stars that they have on their roster, tying that in with some of the not only local talent but international stars we have with City 2, and you've got yourself just this really, really incredible opportunity for France to be introduced to this team that, my goodness, is going to be incredible come March. I don't know about you. I love driving by. So we're, we're, our studios are located pretty close to it. And like last night when the Blues were playing, I drive a, a different way home to get to 40 and I drive right by the stadium and I just love looking into it and the way you can kind of see it dip down low. I, I'm, it's such a cool looking uh, stadium from the outside. And the outside is one thing. <laughs> Imagine what it's going to look like when you're inside it. Uh, I mentioned that I had my buddy here in town. We went to the Blues game. We had to wash that taste out of our mouth today. So I took him downtown, drove him past Bush Stadium, and then drove him past the Arch and then saw Market Street and was like, you know what, let's book it all the way down Market Street, pass by City Park. And, I mean, we're from Brownsville, Texas. You know, you don't have a lot of these big, giant, beautiful stadiums. Shout out to HEP Park down there. Great stadium. But it doesn't compare to what you have with City Park. And he's looking at it like, my goodness, this is incredible. Like, what a facility this is, how beautiful it looks from the outside. And then, again, in my mind, I'm just thinking, well, yeah, it's going to look a heck of a lot better from the inside. Just wait. And we're not far away from yeah. that. So it's uh, it's getting me more and more excited by the day. And, uh, and honestly – Given the fact that SLU's been doing what they're doing, I think those days are going to fly by because we're being entertained left to right all over the place, specifically in that soccer realm. Yep, absolutely. Is Daniel Esteve. You see him on Fox 2 on Channel 11 as well. Thank you so much for the time. We'll do it again real soon. Appreciate it, Matt. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right, very good. There's uh, Daniel Esteve joining us here on Sports Open Line. When we return, we'll get to that Blues audio, some of what Craig Berube had to say after the game last night, and uh, more importantly, some comments made earlier today uh, by Doug Armstrong. So we'll get into all that coming up in just a moment. Sports Open Line rolling on here on KMOX. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.